What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also, follow us at YA underscore Power of Love. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you later. Won't you give a warm welcome to Victoria VC? Hello, everyone. Glad y'all are here. I just want to start off by saying, man, it is literally a privilege for me to stand up here. I don't take it lightly at all. And, you know, this book, I can honestly say, is the fruit of sitting in this ministry, sitting under Pastor Sandy, Pastor Jesse. I mean, week after week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, for a little over two years now I've been here. And um, I can honestly say that it's the fruit. It's, it, it, revelation comes by impartation from the fivefold ministry. It doesn't just come from nowhere. It's the seed of impartation. When we're sitting under the word of God, something is taking place. And so, you know, I just want y'all to know, I've been to a lot of churches. I grew up in church. This house is special. These pastors are so special special. They teach the, uh, the uncompromising full counsel of God's word, and it is powerful. So, I mean, every time you come in these doors, man, that's why we got to come hungry. Our pastors are literally gifts from God to the body of Christ, and it's not to be taken lightly, and it will change your life. The more hungry you are, the more you receive from the mantle that God's placed on their lives, the, the higher you're going to go. That's God's gift to us. And so, you know a little bit about my book, like Pastor Sandy said, it's about the glory of God that's coming upon the final hour church. And so, you know, this book, I wrote it during the 21 days of prayer and fasting back in January. So this was prior pandemic, prior all this craziness. So this, this is what I felt like the Lord had spoken to me for 2020. I mean, not only for this year, but I know that it's timely. I know that this is what God is beginning for this year. That scripture in Habakkuk chapter two, it says that the, um, at, like the waters cover the sea, so the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth. So, so that was God's plan back in January. So, so whatever the devil's trying to do is he's always trying to play catch up. He's always trying to like undo what God is trying to do. But you got to know that the devil always comes with too little, too late to stop the plan, to stop the purposes of God. You know, if you even think about it with Jesus, when, when Jesus was, um, was born, when Mary was going to give birth to Jesus, what happened? King Herod issued an order. We got to kill all the sons. We got to kill all the babies. But just like that plan failed and Jesus was born and he lived and he died for us, he redeemed us. Just like that plan failed, the devil's plan has failed. He's tried to bring a flood of fear, a flood of virus, a flood of sickness, but there's coming a flood of the knowledge of the glory of God in the name of Jesus. And so that's, that's what my book's about. God, just because of the devil's doing whatever, God's plan has not changed for this year. God's plan has not changed for the body of Christ. This is your portion because of what Christ has done. And so, you know, there's a lot in the book. I can't go through all of it. We'd be here all night, but um, I'm going to touch on some of like the main things. And so my first chapter in here, I really talk about righteousness because this is the foundation for everything that you're going to receive from God. This revelation changed my life. This is how you're going to have rock solid faith. You got to understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to read you all this scripture. This scripture changed my life. And you know, I pray that you meditate on this scripture and let it become so real to you. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. It says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has been made unto us. So Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ has been made unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That it is written, he who that glories, let him glory in the Lord. So if you're gonna glory in the Lord, you need to understand that Jesus Christ has become your righteousness. My righteousness is a person. It has nothing to do with your performance. That's why I want to start with this because I want every person in this place to know if you've received Christ, you are perfectly qualified to receive everything that I'm talking about. You are perfectly qualified to experience the glory of God in your life because everything that you receive is based on your righteousness. And your righteousness has nothing to do with your performance, with how you feel about yourself. That's why we have to get our eyes off of our own self, our own shortcomings, our own weaknesses, because, you know, like Pastor 
Pastor Jesse's been, been talking on Wednesdays, we're all in the process of being sanctified. So if you're waiting to we reach some level of perfection in God to receive what he has for you, you're never gonna get there because we're always, we're always gonna be being sanctified until Jesus calls us home. So you gotta understand that I'm not qualified to walk in the power of God. I'm not qualified to walk in the supernatural power of God because I'm extra spiritual or because I've done X, Y, Z or because I've been saved for this much amount of time. The day you're born again, you receive living on the inside of you, the person of the righteousness of God. And so when you understand that your right standing with God is a person and you understand that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's incorruptible, indestructible. He never changes. He's ever faithful. And that's my right standing with God. You can, everything you can say about Jesus, you can say about your standing before God the Father. Apart from your deeds, apart from your efforts, apart from whatever your past is, you are righteous before God. And so I want to read all this scripture in Galatians chapter three, this scripture set me free because, you know, I think even in church, we, we get into all this kind of strong, I mean, the devil used to lie to me and be like, oh, well, you're not qualified for that part of the covenant because you haven't really won enough souls and all this kind of crazy whatever. But you got to understand that Christ qualified you. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. And when you received him, you're now qualified for every single promise in this book. All the promises of God find their yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So you're qualified. So this is what it says in Galatians chapter three, verse five in the Amplified Classic, um, it says, He who supplies you with his marvelous Holy Spirit and works powerfully and miraculously among you, does he do so on the grounds of your doing what the law demands? Or is it because you believed and you trusted in the message that you heard? So you got to understand, your only part is to believe. Somebody shout believe. You got to believe. It has nothing to do with your efforts. Got to fulfill. Got to do X, Y, Z. Do I measure up? Because if you fall into that, the devil will keep you sin conscious. The devil will keep you conscious of your shortcomings. Be like, oh, well, you haven't really like been in church long enough. Blah, blah, blah. You are qualified. So just settle it once and for all. If you believe on the son of God, you can experience everything that I'm talking to you about. Everything that belongs to you through redemption belongs to you. So Joshua 3, 5 says, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. So he's basically saying sanctification equals the wonders of God, signs and wonders. And so that first scripture I read, Christ has been made unto you sanctification. So experientially, we're working out our sanctification, but before God, you already have your full sanctification. I have a guarantee that I'm being, I'm being made holy. I'm gonna be made holy. I'm not going backwards. I'm not gonna keep messing up. I am being made holy. Christ is my sanctification. The day I was born again is the day you received the seed of your sanctification that God is gonna complete the work that he began on the inside of you. And when you understand that, it says, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. When you understand Christ, my sanctification is living in me. Oh, signs and wonders are going to follow me. Not because of me, not because I'm whatever, not because I'm extra religious, but because of the one that lives on the inside of us. Amen? Hallelujah. So that scripture I read in the beginning, let's go there again. Habakkuk 2.14. So it says, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And so, you know, if, the, if you think about it, if the earth is gonna be flooded with the knowledge of God's glory, it's gonna have to be something that's visible. It's not just gonna be an ethereal feeling. It has to be something that's visible. If the whole earth is gonna see it and know it, you can believe something you've heard, but if people know the glory of God, it's because they saw something. They're seeing something. And so, you know, God can only manifest his glory or his goodness on his people. So it's gonna start in the body of Christ. It's gonna start in us, but it doesn't just start outwardly. It has to start with an inward revelation of each individual. We each individually have to first be flooded with the knowledge of God's glory. It starts on the inside of us. And so, you know, that scripture, Pastor Sandy read it this morning, Colossians 1.27 in the TPT. This is kind of like the scripture that's like the main scripture of the book. It says, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. So it's gonna start in you. But the good news about this is that 
you notice who's the one flooding you with expectation? It's Christ. Because you gotta understand that if it's all on us, I mean, I don't know about y'all, we can't, maybe you're here and you've been discouraged. Maybe I mean, we've all experienced some sort of shaking this year and you're discouraged. This is the good news. Christ is the one. God is the one who's gonna fill you with expectation. This is not something that you have to conjure up in your own self-efforts. That's the scripture in Philippians 1. God is the one effectually working in you by his word and by his spirit, creating in you power. So this is a work of God. This is the work of God. This is not us trying to conjure up whatever, some kind of expectation that's not there. It's drawn from the living word of God. So, so the Bible says, you know, if this is living within you is the Christ. So if you think about it, Christ living in you, Jesus Christ is the word of God. So, so he says, living within you is the Christ. So what's gonna flood you with the expectation of glory is when the word of God becomes alive on the inside of you. And so you have to understand the Holy Spirit, who quickened Jesus to raise from the dead? It was the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, that's his job. That's what he does. That's his nature. He quickens Jesus or the word to life. So the Holy Spirit, he's constantly, since that day, he's always looking to come on the word and resurrect it to life. That's what he does. And so even right now, as I'm speaking in the word of God's going forth, the Holy Spirit's connecting with that word and raising it up in power on the inside of you, resurrecting it on the inside of you, building it into the very core of who you are. And you know, this, this literally is what changed my life because I grew up in church and I heard a lot of scriptures. But when the word of God when the Holy Spirit breaks open the word and it becomes a revelation, that's when the power is released on the inside of you and you're flooded, flooded with an expectation that I'm gonna see the reality of this word in my life. I don't care what it looks like in the natural. I don't care what anyone else is saying. This word has become so real to me that it floods you and it drives out every doubt, every fear, every hindrance. It's driven out by the power that's released when that word becomes alive. That's what it means to have Christ Christ living in me. Every word that comes alive on the inside of you is like another aspect of Christ being built into the very core of who you are. You know, the Bible says that his word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates between the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow. That means that it penetrates to the very core of your being. The word of God is so sharp. It penetrates every fiber of your being to where you become so consumed with God's word that you are you become, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ is living in me. Christ is living in me. And that becomes real when the word becomes that real on the inside of us. And so Galatians 1.15 in the Amplified, um, it says, this is Paul talking. So he's talking about basically this same thing that I'm telling you. He says, God who has chosen me and set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace was pleased to reveal or unveil his son within me. So, so this is what happened to the apostle Paul that gave him this. I mean, we all know the apostle Paul had the most incredible revelation of Christ, of redemption, all this kind of stuff. But it was by the grace of God that God, it's not him, it's God unveiled Christ within him unveiled Christ within him. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter three, a lot of people quote the scripture, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. And you know, that's awesome. But when you read it in context, it makes a little bit more sense. The reason that Paul is saying that is because he's explaining that the Holy Spirit is the unveiler of Christ. Amen. So the whole, where the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom, there is liberty because he's unveiling God's word. He's making the word of God. He's making Jesus Christ a reality to you. He and when he unveils Christ, that's when light comes forth. Light breaks forth and drives out every darkness, every blockage, anything that's holding you down. That light is what's gonna set you free. And so another part of my book, so I'm talking about the latter glory. So, you know, this all begins in us. We're talking about the living word. That's what's gonna give you expectation to see the glory of God. Well, the Bible says in Haggai chapter two, verse nine, it says, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give the ultimate peace and prosperity, declares the Lord of hosts. So this to me, if, if the latter glory is gonna be greater than the former, that's very exciting. We're living in the best days because that means that the glory of the final hour church is gonna be greater than the book of Acts. 
So, so that's like pretty awesome because that, that means when everything you see in the book of Acts, I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be better than that. It's gonna be greater. It's gonna have to be. And what's so awesome about that is if you think about the book of Acts, they said, the, the government people were saying, these men have turned the world upside down. The focus was not on the government. The government was concerned about the church. So we know the end is not yet. Dr. Rodney had the vision. We know the end is not yet because in the final hour, in the last moments, the greatest focus, it's not gonna be the church focusing on what the government's doing. The government's gonna be focusing, oh my gosh, what's happening with the church? These men have turned the whole world upside down. And if that was the book of Acts and the latter glory is gonna be greater than the former, who knows? It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. But we have to be expecting that. You got to let that word become so real to you and allow that to become real so that you begin to expect. Well, man, what you see in the book of Acts, it's, it's going to be, I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, well, that was for those days. But it's going to be greater than those days. It's going to be greater than those days. Hallelujah. So the glory of God, the latter glory being greater than the former. So when I say the glory of God, what I'm talking about is the manifest goodness of God. And so I have a whole chapter in the book about the goodness of God, you know, what, what all that entails. But Hosea 3, 5 in the NLT says, in the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. Now this, this is very powerful because notice that it doesn't say people are gonna tremble with fear and awe of, of God's judgment, of God's wrath, of enduring the tribulation. No, the reason people are gonna be trembling in awe is because of his goodness. So, so that's what you ought to expect. We're not expecting anything other than the goodness of God. No matter what's going on in the world, this is our portion, this is our news. This is our news. And so, so that's our reality, the goodness of God. And through redemption, you know, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. He said, his name will be called wonderful and the government shall be upon his shoulder. So that word wonderful in the Hebrew, it's, it's, it means a miracle, astonishing, like totally supernatural. His name is astonishingly miraculous, wonderfully supernatural, and the government of the body of Christ rests on his shoulder. That means that the body of Christ, our portion is to walk in the supernatural, to walk in the miraculous. And that means that the government of your life as an individual rests on his shoulder. God is upholding your life by the word of his power, someone whose name is called wonderful. He's the one, he's the one, the government of my life and the framework of my life rests on his shoulder. How can I fail? How can we be defeated when the government of my life is resting on the shoulder of one called wonderful, miracle, supernatural. So, so that's our portion. That's our portion through what Christ has done. And so Galatians 1.24, this is exactly what Paul experienced. Paul said, in uh, the Amplified Classic Version, it says, they glorified God as the author and the source of what had taken place in me. That means that something, there was something about his life that forced people to glorify God. That there was something about his life that people could not have thought that he's the one who did it. That means that it's beyond your own effort. And so, you know, that's really what I felt about the final hour is that what we're stepping into it's not gonna be something that any man can take credit for. What's coming, the boast will be in God alone, Christ alone, because God's not willing to share his glory. So if it's about you and it's about your efforts and you're trying to earn your way into some sort of miracle ministry, it's not gonna happen. God wants all the glory. He uses the foolish things to shame the wise. And so, and so you gotta understand that that's our portion. That God wants us, that people are forced to glorify God as the author and the source of what have taken place in our life. And you know, this, this hits home for me because, you know, for me, I grew up in church. I come from a good family. I'm super blessed. But I, I, I pray to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, let no one be able to say about my life, oh, it's because she, she had a good parents and she grew up in church. Let it be notable enough that God had to be the one that did it for me. Let your power be manifested enough that it had to be you that did let no person, no man be able to take credit for what is about to happen in my life and the life of the people of God. And you know, that has to be our prayer. That has to be, you got to want that. You got to want that. So that my life would bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. That's what it's all about. You know, in Philippians, he said, he said, Christ will be magnified in me, whether I live, whether I die. He didn't even care. His life meant nothing to him. He said, whatever it is, I'm gonna magnify Christ and Christ will be boldly exalted in my person. Yes. 
You got to make up your mind that that's, that's going to be my life to glorify the name of Jesus. And so I'm going to read that scripture. Pastor Sandy read that, that Psalms 116, 12 through 13, this scripture it, it is so powerful. When you get the revelation that, yeah, you, you can't ever pay back God for what he's done. You know, the, from God is all things, through him are all things, and to him are all things. Everything that you have is because of the grace of God. Everything you've ever done is because of the grace of God. Even getting saved. You know, God gave you the faith to get saved. When you turn to God, when you turn to God, he's actually the one that gave you faith to get saved. So who can boast before the presence of God? He's given us everything. So that scripture, Psalms 116, 12, David says, what shall I ever render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take, I will take, I will take the cup of salvation. I will take it. I will take what Christ provided for me. That, that's our response. That's the only response we can have. How could we ever pay him back? How can we ever worship him enough? You know, true worship is to lay down your life as a living sacrifice and allow his life to be manifest in yours. That's what it means to, to truly worship him, is to take what he's done for you, to take. You know, the law demands, but grace receives. We're under grace, that's good news. Under the old covenant, the law was demanding of the people. You gotta do this, you gotta do this. But under grace, God brings you up from under the dominion of sin and death, and he says, my grace gives you everything. I mean, we have such a good covenant, the covenant of grace. Man, that means your job is to take, to take, to take. Take more of the grace of God. Take more of the grace of God. Take more of his goodness, more of his spirit. It's, there's no end. There's never is a river that flows and it never runs dry. Hallelujah. Man, that's good. Awesome. Okay, so next thing. So we're talking about the glory of God. So, so what? What's gonna be one of the main things that marks the glory of God upon the final hour church is two things, it's twofold. So one of them is gonna be the magnitude of what's gonna take place and also the speed. So we're talking about acceleration. So that's kind of the next thing I wanna talk about, the acceleration that's coming to the people of God. So Amos 9.13, the scripture is awesome. Amos was prophesying about these days and you gotta believe that and really receive the scripture in your heart. This is for you. Amos longed to see the days that we are living in. We are truly living in the greatest days. So Amos 9, 13, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that sows seed. And the mountain shall drop sweet wine and the, the hills shall melt. And so what he's talking about here is an accelerated harvest. And so, like I said, this is twofold. So he's actually talking about a time when the harvest is actually so big that while they're still trying to harvest the fruit, that it's actually time to sow again, but they're still not done harvesting because it's so large. The harvest is so big that it's, it's already time to sow, but we're still trying to reap the harvest from the last one. But it's also, in another sense, it's, it's huge. And also there's an acceleration of the seasons. So, so all of a sudden you're reaping the harvest, but before you know, before you're done reaping, it's already favorable conditions for you to sow seed again and reap another harvest. So it's awesome. And in the, in the message version, it says, it says, I can't remember those specific words, but it says that it's gonna be everything happening at once, blessings upon blessings. It, may, it will make your head swim. It's gonna be beyond, it's gonna be exceedingly abundantly, above anything that you dreamt up between, above anything you could have thought up. It's gonna be way, way greater. The accelerated harvest. And so if we're talking about acceleration, we got to go to my favorite scripture here, John 2. If you turn to John 2, uh, the story of the wedding at Cana. This, this story, you could read this story every day for three weeks and still get something. It's so good. So John chapter 2, I'll give you all a second to turn there. I'm reading in the, uh, the Amplified Classic. Um, so John 2 verse 1 says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee. And so just a little snippet here, third day. If you think about it, we're in the spiritual third day right now because God said that one, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. So the year 2000 marked, marked the end of like the spiritual second day. So we're in like the spiritual third day. We're in like the final times. We're in the last day. So on the third day, Jesus, it says he invited the disciples to the wedding. When all the wine was gone, Jesus said to him, 
they have no more, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. And so it's important to understand about this story. Jesus didn't turn mediocre wine into better wine. There was no wine. There was nothing to work with. God doesn't need you to give him anything to work with. God is more than capable to take nothing and make it into something great. So the wine was all gone, AKA in the natural, it was totally hopeless. There's nothing to work with. It's like, it's totally looks dead in the natural. There is no wine left. And so verse five, his mother says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Verse six, now there were six water pots of stone standing there as the Jewish custom of purification demanded, holding 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, to the servants, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them to the brim. And so this is, I wanna pause right here because I have a whole chapter in my book about the wisdom of God. So I don't have time to get into all that, but it's very important that, you understand if you're gonna walk in the glory of God, if you're gonna walk in the supernatural, see all that God has for you, you have to operate by God's wisdom. And it's always gonna be totally foolish in the natural. What God tells you to do usually makes no sense. So these dudes, I mean, they, they, he was like, fill it up with water. Why would we do that? But it's so important that we, I mean, especially this year, we've heard lots of talk about wisdom, but you have to understand God's wisdom. If, if your wisdom matches the world, it's probably not God's. God's wisdom is always opposite and it shouldn't make sense in the natural. It, the, the wisdom of God comes from the voice of God. It's not drawn from outside circumstance. It's drawn from the voice of God. And so, so they, they, they did it. They filled the water pots to the brim. And he said in verse eight, draw some out now and take it to the manager of the feast. So they took him some. And when the manager tasted the water, just now turned into wine. So that means if you think about wine, it takes like 20 to 30 years to make really good wine. Because if you think you have to sow the seed, you have to grow a grape vine, you have to harvest the grapes, then you have to smush the grapes and you have to let it age for like 20 years. So what Jesus did right here was literally compressed 20 to 30 years into one moment of time. That's awesome. You gotta know that God can do for you in one moment of time what you couldn't do for yourself in a lifetime. When Jesus comes on the scene, all things are possible to him that believes. There's nothing impossible when he steps on the scene. Jesus can manipulate time for you. Jesus, right here, this is his first miracle. He showed that he is the Lord of time. He will manipulate time in your favor. He will restore time that you feel like you lost. He'll accelerate time. Maybe you're, you're believing God for something. Let me tell you, don't make plans for your miracle to take a long time. Don't make plans for the thing you're believing God for to take years. Jesus is coming soon and he's here. When you receive his word, he can compress 20 to 30 years, compressed into one moment of time. He made the best wine from, there was no wine. There was no, he didn't even use what they had from water. That's awesome. And so what's great, this gets even better. It says, so just now turned into wine and it says the manager, he didn't know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew where it came from. So, so this is very powerful. This reminds me of that scripture in 1 Corinthians 2. It says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what has never entered in the heart of man, that's what God has prepared for those who love them. But to you, it's revealed by the spirit of God. So you're gonna know exactly where that thing came from. You're gonna know exactly where that miracle came from because you already had an inward revelation. You already saw with the eyes of your spirit what was coming. But to everyone around you, they're going to be like, where did that come from? And then they're going to be forced to ask you about the God that you serve. That's awesome. So they knew exactly where it came from. Why? Because they were the ones operating by the wisdom of God. They did exactly what the Lord told them to do. So they knew it was Jesus who got all the glory. And so in verse 11, it says, this this, the first of his signs, Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. This was the first way he chose to manifest his glory was by accelerating, by accelerating things. So this was a manifestation of his glory, of his goodness. They didn't need wine. This was the overabundant, obnoxious goodness of God made manifest in one moment of time. And so it says, and his disciples believed in him. And I thought that was interesting because it's like, oh, well, they're the disciples. Didn't they already believe in him? But the things that are about to take place in the body of Christ are gonna give you new grounds for believing. I'm talking about new grounds for believing. You know, God can even exceed your own faith. I mean, like with Courtney's testimony, she was believing for like 3% and she got 25%. That's new grounds for believing God. That's like, okay, I'm stepping into a new realm. 
They, the, disciples, so the disciples believed in him even more when they saw the glory that he manifested by that, that acceleration, by that supernatural provision. And so the speed of what's gonna take place in the body of Christ is gonna add to its supernatural nature and ensures that no man will be able to take credit for what's about to happen. Not even ministers, nobody is gonna be able to take credit no, it's not going to be like, oh, because I prayed 46 hours. I mean, yes, we need to pray. We need to seek the Lord. But it's, it's going to be, the, bo the boast will be in God alone and Christ alone. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so there's a similar story that Ma uh, Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 20. Y'all probably know it. It's, he's talking about sending laborers into the field. And what's so interesting about this story is that he sends them out at different times. Some people worked all day. Some people he sent out at noon. Some people he sent out, you know, in the afternoon. But some people he just sent out for the very last hour. And they received the same wages in that one hour that took the other people all day long. So that's for us. We're the final hour church. So we're literally stepping into something that generations past have sowed and we're coming in to reap the harvest. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's really awesome because I mean, that, that's like, oh, it's just too good. It's too good. We, we're going to receive even if you think about it with our smartphones. What took Kenneth Hagin like 40 years to, to get revelation from God. You can listen to it in like three weeks on your iPhone and digest it all. So that's how God's doing it. He's pumping revelation from every generation's past. We have it in the palm of our hand. That's like awesome. That's what gives me so much confidence too that we're stepping into the things that they've labored for. You will reap where you did not even sow because of the people that have gone before us. That's awesome. Hallelujah. And so, you know, there's grace available in this time to move faster than ever, to do more than ever. But you know, it's to the humble. The Bible says that God gives more grace to the humble. So he's looking for people who will realize it's not because of me. It's not because of what I've done, but because of what you want accomplished in the earth and humble themselves. And that's why I think it's so important to, to talk about this. That's why I wrote the book, because if people know what's available, you can't step into something that you don't really know is available. So, so it's important to understand that there is a special grace, a sovereign grace that's available in this hour to accomplish God's, God's purpose, God's plan, to beautify the church, to bring the church into the full stature of Christ before Jesus returns. And so that's why as we humble ourselves before God, that's the people who are gonna be stepping into it. It's not the people who have like necessarily been in church forever. It's the people who are humble enough to realize it has nothing to do with me. It's all him. Hallelujah. And so this is one of the main things. So the Bible says, so the Amos 9, 13, it says that the plowman will overtake the reaper. So an accelerated harvest is what we're talking about. So I think most people, their initial thought when it comes to an accelerated harvest is talking about like souls, which is definitely a part of it. You know, the only reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because he's being patient, not willing that any perish, but that all come into repentance. So there is definitely a huge part of it that's gonna be talking about the harvest of souls. But the, the scripture that the Lord I mean, when the, the Lord put this scripture in me, this is kind of what like sparked the whole book is Galatians 6, 8. He who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life. And so we're talking about what I really, the, the main parts of my book is about an accelerated harvest of the life of God. And so eternal life is not just something that's in heaven. When, when the Bible says eternal life, it's that Greek word Zoe, which Pastor Sandy has preached on before, the Zoe life of God, it's talking about a heavenly quality of life. So when you get saved, we're operating with a life that's of an age to come. Even though we're here in this present age, we're here in this earth, there's a life in us that's of a different realm, of a different age, of the age to come. But that's operating in us. Jesus said, I came that you might have life, Zoe life in abundance. So we have a heavenly kind of life, but it all comes by this sowing to the spirit. So as you sow to the spirit, in this hour, there is, God is accelerating the flow of his, his resurrection life to lift his people, to lift his people up, to reign as kings, to be lifted into the full stature of Christ. And so our response to that, obviously, we sow to the spirit. By the grace of God, we're, we're gonna begin to sow to the spirit. And that's when the accelerated flow of, of, of God's life comes. And when, if you think about it, the plowman shall overtake the reaper. That must mean that there, there is a supernatural flow of the life of God flowing through the vine. We're connected to the vine. We're connected to Jesus. But what he's talking about is there is like a supernatural, like, ooh, big, big thing of the life of God being, being pumped into his people to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And so the Bible says um, in Psalm 27, 13, David, David talks about this. He says, I, uh, he says, 
would, what would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. So in the land of the living, when you're planted in the land of the living, that means that God's life is flowing through you. And when God's life is flowing through you, you have a guarantee that you're gonna see the goodness of God all around you. When you're hooked up to the life flow of Jesus, it's not possible that you won't. And so this is part of redemption. So part, Jesus, the Bible says in Galatians 3.13 that Christ redeemed us from all the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. And so part of the, it's important to know what you're redeemed from. Part of the curse, I'm gonna read this to y'all in Deuteronomy 28.66. So this is something that you're redeemed from. This is your redemptive right to be redeemed from this. Deuteronomy 28, 66. It says, your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. So that means that through Christ, our life, we have an assurance of the life of God. You have an assurance that you are hooked up to the life of God and that nothing can detach you. You have to understand that God is holding onto you. His life flowing through you is guaranteeing that you are, you are being perfected, that you're being brought into the glory the glorious person that God has for you. And so it says in Amos 9.15, right after that Amos 9.13, he says, still prophesying about the acceleration, he says, I will firmly plant them in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land that I have given them. That means that you should have total confidence. That should flood you with an expectation. You will never be uprooted. When God plants you in the land of the living and hooks you up to the life of Jesus, you gotta know that you can have full assurance to experience the abundant life of God in your health, in your finances, in your family, in your career, in every area of life because of what Christ has done. He says you will never be uprooted. God has planted you and you shall never be uprooted in the name of Jesus. And so I have a whole chapter in here too on sowing and reaping. So if we're going to reap this life of God, we're obviously going to be sowing to the spirit. So I don't have time to get into that whole chapter, but basically just like a, a highlight is, so if you're going to reap the supernatural life of God, if you're going to reap the, the heavenly kind of life, that means you got to sow your natural life. The Bible said, you know, Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So it's sowing your own life. But let me tell you, that kind of sounds like overwhelming, but it's a work of the Holy Spirit because the more you get a glimpse, the more you get a glimpse of the life that Christ offers you, it's very easy, very easy to lay down your life. And that's my testimony. I never really tried to like be extra holy or whatever, but the more I got a glimpse, the more I got a glimpse of what was mine in Christ, it drove out every other desire. It's like, how can I not? How can I not offer my life as a living sacrifice to let this life flow through me? Because you understand that it's better than anything you could do for yourself. It's way better. And religion tries to tell people like, oh, you're giving up whatever so that you can like live for God. No, you don't give up. And you really, you've gained everything. Whatever I gave up is garbage compared to what I've received in Christ. And you know, that's why the apostle Paul said in Philippians three, for Christ's sake, I've lost everything but I counted all as garbage why because he saw Christ he saw the glory of Jesus he saw the life that was provided for him in Christ so he was like yeah I lost everything but it's all garbage anyway compared to what I've received in Christ he said it's a the, there's nothing that can compare to the priceless privilege and the supreme advantage of knowing Christ as my Lord and Savior and when you get a glimpse of that, man, it's easy to sow your life. It's not even easy. It's not even hard to surrender your life. Man, I've laid down some stuff, but it's so easy. It's by the grace of God. There's that story, I wasn't gonna get into it, but there's a story of the rich young ruler that, that Jesus talks about. And he tells him to go sell all his stuff. And he's like, goes away sad because he feels like he can't. And his disciple, the, the reason is because he was trying to reach Jesus through the law. But when you're under grace, when you come under grace and you first receive the grace of God, it's easy. It's easy to give up everything because the grace of God is what does it. It's not your own striving. It's not your own efforts. Like, oh man, it's really sad for me to give up everything. It's the grace of God that will empower you to do it. That's why it says from God is everything and to him is everything. Because it's like, we're receiving the grace of God and by the grace of God, I am what I am. And, and it's all for him. It's all for his glory. It starts with him and ends with him. He's the beginning. He's the end. Hallelujah. And so part of the life of God, so when the life, the resurrection life of God is exerted in you, one thing it's gonna cause you to do is reign as a king. So Romans 5, 17 says, much more those who receive the grace of God and the free gift of, of, of righteousness will reign as kings in 
life. That's the word Zoe life. So you're gonna reign as a king through the resurrection life, through the God kind of life operating in you is, is actually the power that lifts you up out from under the reign of sin, the reign of death, the reign of the dominion of darkness. That life exerted in you is lifting you up from one degree of glory to the next to reign as a king in this life. And you know, kings have authority. So that's a big part of it. When the life of God's operating in you, you have authority. You have authority to, to, to command the goodness of God in your life. We don't just accept whatever life throws our way. That's why we have to open up our mouth, use our authority, use our authority to release your expectation. If Christ living in you is flooding you with an expectation of glory, we have an obligation to open up our mouth and release our expectation. That's what it means to reign as a king. God has given us all authority to open up our mouth to declare what we expect. The Bible says you shall decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you. That's what it means to reign as a king in life. And you know, I think really with this, I feel like many people, it's hard for them to make those bold declarations. You know, I'm around a lot of church people, so I feel like I like know. I mean, it's hard for people to get those kind of crazy, bold faith confessions like, man, I'm never gonna be sick one day in my life. How can you say that? Because the word is more real to me than people's experiences. That's, That's what causes you to be able to say it. When God's word is more real to you than your neighbor's experience, that's when, that's when you're gonna be flooded with that expectation because people always have a reason why they feel like they can't expect God to do this, why they can, because they see somebody else, maybe they're even a Christian and it didn't work out for them, but you gotta make up your mind. If the word is gonna work for anybody, the word's gonna work for me. That's why it's like, my life is not dependent upon what other people have experienced. Even testimonies, good or bad, my life is is on this, built on this. Built on this, this is the foundation for my life. That's why you have to block out the natural realm, block out other people's experiences. I don't care what happened to anybody else. This is my reality and I'm gonna have it. And that's what causes you to be able to make those bold confessions of what belongs to you in Christ. Not to, the natural realm has to be dead to you. There's a scripture in, I think it's in the TPT version. Paul said, this natural realm is dead to me. Because when you're so flooded with the word of God, Man, it's like you hear on the news fear, you hear your family talking fear, but it's like when I hear that kind of stuff, it's like there's a voice on the inside of me that resonates so much louder than every other voice. And that's the word of God, the rhema word of God has to resonate so much louder in you than every other voice, than everything in the natural realm. And when the natural realm loses its hold on you, that's when you you will see the glory of God in your life. And so reigning in life as a a king, that's part of reaping the Zoe life of God. And so as I was studying the the life of God or the flow of God's life, um, the scripture that came to my mind was in Revelation 22. It's, y'all can turn there if you want. Um, Revelation 22 verse one, John is having a vision. John is having a vision of the, the river of God. The Bible says that there is a river that flows out from the throne of God. And it says that it's waters of life, Zoe life. So, so just envision that God is sitting on the throne next to Jesus and out from them is flowing a river of the waters of the Zoe life of God. There is constantly flowing from God to you, to his people, a flow of the life of God to to, to lift you, to set you free, to bring you higher, to transform you from one degree of glory to the next. So that's what we're hooked up to. And that's why John chapter seven, you know, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water, rivers of life. So as we're receiving the life of God from him, that is flowing out of us. It's flowing out of us. So not only are we receiving, but it's affecting everywhere we go. The life of God goes and it's affecting everything. It's affecting everything. And so, you, you know, what I was thinking about was, so we're talking about the, ma- the magnitude of the flow and, and the acceleration. So I was asking the Lord, because I was, I was meditating on the fact that, you know, the double portion, I felt like the double portion was gonna be something that's for the people of God in this hour. And so I was asking the Lord, you know, how, how does this connect with like the flow of life and, you know, whatever. And I felt the Lord like inwardly, not like audible, tell me, you know, Ezekiel 47. And so when I found this scripture, oh, it was like I hit gold. So Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel 47, some of y'all probably read it. Basically what it is, is Ezekiel is having a vision of 
you know, the river that flows out from the temple of God. We are the temple of God. So he's having a vision of this river that's flowing out from God's temple, which is, which is you and which is me. And so it says in verse nine, it says in verse nine, wherever the double river shall go, every living creature which swarms shall live and there shall be a very great number of fish because these waters go there that the waters of the sea may be healed and made fresh and everything shall live wherever the river goes. And so notice there it says the double river. We're talking about a double portion of the flow of God's life flowing to you and flowing out of you so that everywhere you go everything shall live wherever you go because out of your belly is flowing rivers of life rivers of living water and it's the person of the holy spirit it's a it's a double river what he's talking about here is literally a double portion flowing out from god the father and god the son in the person of the holy spirit and so just think about it. You know, God created rivers to be a picture of what already exists in the spiritual realm. So God created, like, think about the Mississippi River, that he created that to reflect what we're talking about. So just think about if the Mississippi River all of a sudden doubled in proportion and doubled in speed. Think about the effects that it would have on everything around it if the river literally doubled in speed and doubled in magnitude. Something's gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? So that river is literally a picture. God put, those, put, God put rivers there so that we could have a glimpse. Just have a glimpse to understand the great power that's flowing out from him to us. And so that means, man, wherever you go, there is a river of life. That life flowing out of you will affect your family. It will affect your health. It will affect every person around you, your career, your finances. What I'm talking about is not just for church. It's not just spiritual. It affects every single aspect of your life, your joy, your peace, your family life, your career. It touches every single aspect of life. It's not just for church. If the earth is going to see the glory of God, it has to be something that's not just in here. We get the inward revelation in here, but out there, it should be manifest in every single aspect of life. Every single aspect of life. Hallelujah. The double river. And so that made me think of obviously the double portion um, in 2 Kings, um, the story of Elijah and Elisha. And so what's so interesting about this story is um, basically there's a prerequisite that Elijah, well, Elisha, so if you don't know the story, Elisha asks Elijah, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me before, before God takes you up. So he was hungry. He was hungry and he said, I'm not leaving you till I get a double portion of your spirit. But notice that there was a prerequisite. Elijah answered him and said, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me, when I go up, then you'll have it. So the prerequisite is that you see Christ. Elijah was a type of Christ. He said, so we're receiving the double portion. Jesus said, you'll do greater works than these because I go into the Father. So because Jesus went up, he's now thrown his double portion mantle onto his people to do greater works. And so that's that prerequisite. If you see me, if you see me. And so that's, I mean, that's the really real question. Have you seen Christ for yourself? Have you seen him for yourself? Because I mean, you can sit in church and you can rely on other people's revelation for only so long. Every single person, every single believer has to have a moment where they have a revelation of who Christ is, of his glory, that when you see him in his glory, you'll never be the same. And when you see him, something comes on your life. There's a power that comes on your life that changes everything. It's that mantle. It's to be clothed with power, to be clothed with power from on high. And so I can never talk about this story without thinking about blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus is like, is the perfect example of this because he was desperate to see Jesus. He heard and he heard and he heard. He heard people's testimonies, but he was blind. There was what you could say, a veil covering his eyes. The Holy Spirit is the one that will take the veil off. But so his eyes were veiled and it says that he cried out. He cried, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people were like, shut up. You know, that's what the distractions of the world are trying to choke out the cry of hunger from the people of God, trying to get you distracted, trying to get you all whatever, worried about politics, all this kind of whatever's going on in the world. The devil is trying to distract you and shut up your cry of hunger that you would see Christ. 
Even if you've had a revelation of Christ, it never ends. The unveiling of Christ within is continual until we see him with our natural eye. And so that's blind Bartimaeus, when, and that's, that's what we have to do when distractions try to come. Ooh, it's just gotta put something in you to cry out louder. Son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. If anybody's gonna see Jesus today, it's gonna be me. He was not, he was not about to quit. He was not about to back down because of what people were saying. He cried out all the louder. And the Bible says that, that Jesus brought him to him. And it says that he, he healed him. His eyes were open. But you know, before, before Jesus called him, it says that he threw off his cloak. So he was wearing a cloak that signified his old way of life, that signified the fact that he was blind, the fact that, you know, he was a beggar. So he threw off what you would consider his natural life, his natural identity. When you throw off the old, when you sow your life, when you get rid of it, you lay it down, you surrender it, and you throw it off, and you see Christ, you receive a new cloak. You receive a new mantle. It's the double portion power of Almighty God that comes upon your life. And when that comes upon your life, nothing is impossible for you. Because we can see this here, but we got to have power to walk this out. The Bible says to as many as did receive the word of God, to them he gives power to become. So that power is what's going to cause you to become, to be raised up into the full stature of Christ, to reflect the glory of God in the most astounding way. That's our portion. That's our, when we receive that double portion, it's to take us higher. And ultimately all of this it's for the harvest of souls. And, and I'll close with this, but you know, ultimately it's, the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that's gonna draw people to repentance. So when people see God's goodness manifest in your life, but because of his power in your life, when they see the goodness of God on your life, that's what's gonna bring many to repentance because it's gonna take place outside the church. We have the Christians in the church and that's awesome. But it, it, when people see the goodness of God, when the people of your workplace see, man, she never gets sick. When people hear your testimony of how, the Courtney's testimony about the job, man, she's, her parents are all confused. How is that even possible? But when people see God's goodness, when people hear your testimony out there, God's goodness is what's gonna bring people to repentance. And ultimately, that's what Jesus is after. His heart is for souls but his heart is to bring us into the full stature of Christ so that we can reflect his goodness to the world because they can't see it. They're not hearing, you know, they're not having revelation from God's word. All they have to look at is us. And if we're defeated, if we're bound up, what kind of testimony is that of the glory of God? We're called to be free, to walk in all that Christ has for us. And you know, that's why I really believe in this hour, it literally is gonna be exceedingly abundantly, above anything. Why? Because it's according to the power. It's according, it's in proportion to the power that's working in you. And as you understand that there's a double portion of power waiting for you to take it, then, then that's it. You will, ex you will see the exceedingly abundantly above anything you dreamt up, above anything you prayed for. And that's when God is gonna be glorified. God is going to be glorified. No person will be able to, to, to boast in the midst of what, what is about to take place. Hallelujah. Why don't you just lift your hands and thank Him? Why don't you just lift your hands and thank Him? Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. God, we're hungry. God, we are thirsty, God. We want to walk in all that you have for us, Lord. Oh God, that we would display your glory in such a way, God, that it would call many to repentance, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. It's by your grace and it's by your spirit, not by our own might, not by our own power, but by the spirit of God flowing in us and flowing through us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You're so awesome, God. Hallelujah. But you know, this all begins with, with you got to be born again. Jesus said, you can't even see the kingdom of God. You can't even see what I'm talking about unless you're born of the spirit. You must be born again. I'm not talking about believing that there's a God. I'm talking about being born again. When God takes out your old heart and he puts in you a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that's hungry for God, a heart that desires to please him, a heart that desires to bring him glory. You must be born again. So that's why I wanna give you an opportunity. If, if everyone would just bow your head and close your eyes.